And we are back. New week of Nurse Nation podcast. Doing something a little bit different. I'm going to do a little review of the last couple episodes. There's some different breaking stories on each topic that I want to cover. There are some things I want to expand on, some thoughts. I'm going to call it the Shift Report. Not to be confused with the Shift Report podcast. Shout out to my dudes over there. Give them a listen. We're doing a little recap of what we've discussed. Let's have a conversation. It's Nurse Nation. We're a few episodes in now of Nurse Nation Podcast, and I wanted to just go back, follow up with some of the topics that we discussed, because there have been some things that have broken, some stories that have broken within the healthcare community that affect the way we discussed the previous issues. And I want to start with our first episode. We talked about burnout, and we discussed what did we think leads to burnout. Is it a lack in education? Is it the you know the chicken or the egg? Is it, is it the no staff causes burnout? Burnout causes no staff. And a development that happened today, at least it broke on social media today, that I wanted to talk about because it, it's really laughable. And, and I don't want to talk about it for a long time just because you know, once we get into it, you'll understand why. It really should not be given any attention to. It, someone with this small, ignorant mindset really... It's doing the nursing profession a a disservice by even talking about it and bringing it up. But because it hits social media, because it is such a big deal right now in the nursing industry, in the healthcare industry, I do have to at least hint on it for for a few moments here. And I want to talk about Senator Maureen Walsh. Now, the Washington Nurses Association right now is supporting a bill And this bill is Bill uh, 1155, for anyone in Washington who wants to look it up. It's Bill SHB 1155. And what this bill does, it protects nurses from mandatory mandatory overtime and protects their meal and their rest breaks. Well, apparently, this senator, Maureen Walsh, did not uh, want to have anybody support this bill. Now, that right there, in and of itself goes to show you why I really don't want to talk about this for a long time. If you're going to be someone that wants to go against a bill that protects someone's right for a lunch break, protects someone's uh, right for any sort of 15-minute break off the floor, especially as a nurse, especially as any sort of healthcare professional, we talk about the burnout, we talk about low staffing, and, and now you have someone who wants to limit your breaks. Any sort of decent human being who's worked a job in their life understands that at any level, you need a little break from the job. You need to get that 15 minutes, whether it be off the floor as a nurse, whether it be sitting down and getting a drink of water or, or, you know, checking the newspaper at any sort of job, getting your mind off the job to keep you fresh. I mean, there's a lot of studies that show even when it comes to studying, when it comes to college, when it comes to classes, you know, the brain can only concentrate for so long before it needs that little break to get up, stretch, to get back into that activity. So if you're going to be someone as ignorant as this Senator Maureen Walsh who wants to really oppose a bill that protects someone's breaks, someone's lunch times, it even protects overtime, and she had the most 
laughable quotes in this video. I can't embed anything into the actual podcast, but if you just go on Google, type in Maureen Walsh, it's literally the first thing that pops up. So this is a quote from Senator Walsh. If nurses get tired, let's stop letting them do 12-hour shifts. Let's make them do 8-hour shifts. 12 hours, I know they want it. But then they come back and start talking out of both sides of their mouth and telling us how tired they are, says Senator Walsh. She even goes on to say, I understand that making sure that we have a rest break and things like that, but I also understand that we need to care for patients first and foremost. I would submit to you that those nurses probably do get breaks. They probably play cards for a considerable amount of the day, said Senator Maureen Walsh. So let me just get this straight. She thinks that breaks need to be limited, mealtimes need to be limited, we need to go from a 12-hour shift to a routine 8-hour shift for places that do the 312s a week because, yes, obviously the care for a patient comes first and foremost, like she said, but it's not like when you go for a break, you leave these patients unattended. You have CNAs, you have nursing assistants, your other nurses, your coworkers are taking responsibility for your patients. It's not like these people are just sitting in their room, call bell going off for the 15 minutes that you're outside. And then to say, they probably play cards for a considerable amount of the day. This just goes to show you how these older politicians just have a complete disconnect. I mean, to be in this political climate, this day and age, this day and age of social media and having instant feedback on what you say and having to be extra careful on what you say because there's always a camera, always someone recording, and you to go off and say, they probably play cards for a considerable amount of the day. Instant meme. That is instant ammunition for a meme. Thank you, Senator Walsh. You sound like a moron. You sound ignorant. You sound arrogant. And you just created a great meme. I mean, you go over onto our Instagram page, Nurse Nation Podcast. We're posting those memes on our story. They're funny. Everyone's kind of putting up their Uno cards, putting up their play cards, the gifts, the memes. It's great ammunition. So, unbreaking story that comes out to burnout, Senator Maureen Walsh. And if you're from Washington State, make sure you do go and support SHB 1155. This bill, like I said, is protecting your overtime, is protecting your meal breaks, is protecting your right for your 12-hour shift. I mean, that's the other thing, too. Does she not understand that when you're working 12 hours... 95% of the time, you're doing three 12s per seven days. Unless you're working overtime or some places still have, you know, you have to have 40 hours to make up a full-time work schedule. But it's not like we're working 12-hour shifts seven days a week, five days a week. I mean, this lady. But this is really why I, I don't want to get into it anymore, talk about it anymore. Any person in their right mind can realize that these ladies' comments are ignorant they're just played out stupid, just flat out stupid. So to, to, to talk and give her the spotlight, to bring more attention to her, I'm not going to talk about it anymore. I'm not bringing her any more attention, but we have to talk about it for a few moments just so everyone kind of gets the hint of what's going on. But going from here, I want to go from talking about the breaks, talk about burnout, and go right into safe staffing ratios, especially what's going on in New York City. I released a little, not like a paper, not an article, but just uh, 
my thoughts onto a page, post it onto Reddit. If you want to follow our subreddit, it is PFRAC, R-N-P-F-R-P. Wow, can't even say my own name. P-F-R-A-C-R-N. That's our subreddit. That's our profile. But I posted, uh, I'll call it an article for argument's sake. And what it did, it asked the question, is nursing ratios or safe staff ratios the answer? Is just implementing a straight ratio the answer to burnout, the answer to all of our problems as a nurse in New York State? I got tons of blowback just from asking that question. Now, if you read my full article, the real reason I asked that question was because I didn't think just ratios in and of itself helped our cause. There was other steps that had to be included in any sort of bill, any sort of agreement that you know ensured that these ratios are being met, assured that hospitals actually can meet these ratios. And lo and behold, if you actually look up what the agreement was, the details of the deal, a lot of the things that I said actually came to fruition. So, pooey to you, Redditors, for shitting on me. If you actually read my article, you would know that what I said, I basically predicted the future. I mean, I am Nurse Notre Dame here. New York State Nursing Association, 42,000-member union, and they're representing nurses from Mount Sinai, Montefiore, and New York Presbyterian Hospitals. I may have butchered those names. I apologize. But these were the hospitals that were involved in the negotiations with New York State Nursing Association, and New York State Nursing Association gave a press release, outlined a four-year contract that expires the 31st of December, 2022, and they made great headway. And here's just some bullet points of this new deal. Calls for an additional $100 million to hire nurses in full-time positions to meet the ratios. Wouldn't you know, that was one of my first things I said. Let's first see that they can even put that money up. Okay, they can. They're putting up $100 million. Perfect. To ensure that these safe staffing ratios are going to be met, they will actually be monitored and enforced by an independent neutral party. Oh, my God. PFRAC, you're so smart. Wasn't that your second point in your little article? Oh, my God. Yes, you're right. I said, well, we also need to talk about who's going to be monitoring these hospitals to make sure that the staffing ratios are going to be appropriate. Not just appropriate, they're actually being followed. It goes on to say the exact ratios for each unit and hospital have not yet been released, so we'll have to update you guys on that going forward. For current and past nurses, the agreement also includes a wage increase of 3% per year, which is awesome. Millions of dollars, this is in quotes, millions of dollars for health benefits for retired nurses. Tuition reimbursement and other monetary benefits. So that's good. Every, it looks like that, that's working out perfectly. So really my, my question was, is it just implementing ratios that are going to work? I said no, but I didn't say no because ratios don't work because I don't believe in ratios. I also believe other steps had to be put into place, other things had to be put into place to monitor these hospitals, and look at that. I guess there are some smart people that are working with uh, New York State Nursing Association. Maybe they actually listen to my podcast. So, so far, that looks like it's moving in the right direction with the safe staffing ratios. There's going to be no more strike. Uh, everything, everyone's going to be happy. Continuing with 
the theme of New York City. My last podcast talked about the New York City measles outbreak. If you haven't listened, please give it a listen. But if you haven't listened yet, just a quick rundown. I cautioned people who thought that mandatory vaccines in New York City for the measles outbreak, mandatory MMR vaccines, was a dangerous step uh, allowing the government to dictate what you can or what you have to put into your body medically. Um, Just history. Look back when people have been forced to do things, do certain, uh, show certain identification that you had a vaccine, show uh, or, or partake in things against their will medically. There's a lot of different examples, not going to get into them, but I did just say, based on history, just be careful what you wish for when you think that things should be mandatory, especially when it comes to health care and the government telling you what you need to have inside you. I mean, my most extreme example is what's next. All of a sudden they say, well, you know, missing children is now a epidemic, so everyone needs to have a GPS locator. I mean, what are you going to say then? You've already set the precedent that measles was a national epidemic. It was a big thing hitting New York City. You have to get vaccinated. Well, now people going missing is huge. Now everyone needs a GPS locator. I, I just was making the point, watch out for what precedents you set. But I did also say, listen, I'm a huge vax guy. I'm a very big pro-vaccine guy. I, on the bigger situation, giving the government the right to dictate what you can or what you have to put inside your body. So just a little update on the New York City measles outbreak. So far, there have been 359 confirmed cases of the measles. These have been mostly in Orthodox Jewish communities, uh, four specific zip codes in the, located in the Brooklyn area. But there's two major legal battles, two uh, major legal decisions uh, that have actually come down as of late. One with a Rockland judge and one with a Brooklyn judge. Um, In the Rockland judge case, it was, is it actually legal to allow or to not allow children or unvaccinated individuals into public places? That Rockland judge has overturned that decision. Uh, The decision now is that if you are unvaccinated and you do not have the measles, you can be let back into public schools. You can be let into public places. But my thing with that is I don't really agree with that. You look at World Health Organization, what their steps are to combating communicable disease. The first step is to limit the at-risk population exposure. Especially with something like measles, you don't see the symptoms until about, you know, up to 21 days after contamination. So if the World Health Organization is telling us this is the first step, I don't really agree with that Rockland judge saying that these children, these unvaccinated people can now be let back into the schools. With the other judge in Brooklyn, uh, he made a ruling against five parents five anti-vax parents who wanted to start a petition. This petition was really trying to fight saying that the mandatory vaccines are unlawful. However, if you do a little bit more research, I did some more research, 
back in 1905, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, United States Supreme Court case in which the court upheld the authority of the states to enforce vaccine laws. The court's decision was that the freedom of the individual must sometimes be subordinated to the common welfare and is subject to the police power of the state. So in short, yes, they gave the right to the government to say if the commonwealth of the people are at risk, then it's okay to make these vaccines mandatory. Just a little background uh, on that case, Jacobson versus Massachusetts, 1905. Jacobson was a Swedish man, came from Sweden. Sweden has, or had, they may still do, Um, Well, at this point in 1905, they had a national law that made the smallpox vaccine mandatory. And this gentleman, uh, Henning Jacobson was his name, was actually vaccinated for smallpox. The efforts from Sweden to eradicate the smallpox were successful, but Jacobson did not agree with the methods to make it mandatory. Uh, He said that the vaccination he received caused him great and extreme suffering that he had to endure for the rest of his life. Um, He said one of his sons suffered adverse effects after being vaccinated as a child. Um, So Jacobson, him and his wife, were very resistant when it came to mandatory vaccinations in Massachusetts. So that's where you get the Jacobson versus Massachusetts. It was this gentleman uh, not agreeing with this case. Um, He refused to receive a vaccination here in America. He was fined. $5 at the time compared to the $1,000, $2,000, $3,000 up to that people may be getting fined now in New York City. Uh, So he appealed that decision to the Supreme Court, and lo and behold, we now have Jacobson versus Massachusetts, where they say that the police power of the state does allow you, uh, does allow the state to tell you you need to be vaccinated, which I I didn't know. I don't know how I didn't find that in the, the first episode where we talked about the vaccines and the measles outbreak. Um, so I did some more due diligence. So I guess uh, everyone on Reddit now who told me that I was a loser idiot can you know, chalk that one up f- for themselves. I guess we'll, we'll call that a, a tie for these last few episodes, a one-to-one tie, me versus Reddit. I, I, I do suggest everyone go look at some of my posts on Reddit under PFRACRN and see some of the comments. Uh, there was this one time where I even posted, there was this, Hashtag going around, and it was, you know, how to hide $20 from a nurse. And I put, oh, how to hide $20 in a nurse, put it in the break room. He he ha ha. I mean, just looking at the feedback from Maureen Walsh, obviously, you know, not getting breaks is a huge thing. I thought it was funny. People on Reddit crucified me. If you're working at a place that has no breaks, you know, you need to think about if that place is right for you. That's ridiculous. We make it mandatory for breaks at our place. Like, all right, relax. It's a joke. Calm down. Look at all the people. He, he, ha, haing. You don't have to get all uptight about it. It wasn't a serious thing. But I kind of want to do this every once in a while, a little recap episode. I'm going to call it the, the shift report. Go a couple episodes in, do a shift report, go back, follow up with those, see if anything is broken, see if anything has changed. See if anything has maybe even changed my mind or some of our guests' mind since we've talked about it. Uh, I think it's very important to do a lot of follow-up like that. And I don't want to talk about burnout and then never talk about it again or, or talk about safe staffing ratios and not give you guys the update on what happened down there in the city. I think it's very important to follow up. So if you don't mind, after you give this a listen, 
give it a like, give it a share, tag us on social media. We're Nurse Nation Podcast on Instagram. Uh, I'm PFRACRN at Reddit. Please come to my defense sometimes. Uh, sometimes they get a little brutal, a little harsh. <laughs> I laugh at it. I, I think it's all all a great joke. I think this, this the social media, the, the, the hate that you get from there, it's just funny. Some people have way too much time on their hands. And then on Facebook, we're the same, Nurse Nation Podcast. And we're even on Twitter now. We're at Nurse Nation underscore pod on Twitter. So you have Nurse Nation Podcast, Facebook, Instagram, at Nurse Nation underscore pod for Twitter, PFRACRN for Reddit. And like I said, email us. Let us know what you want to talk about next. PFRACRN at gmail.com. Hit me up. I've already had a few people contact me. Uh, people are really looking forward to that interview that I did with the NP students and the nurse practitioner. That's coming out, I promise you. Just give me some time. Um, I have a lot of requests, actually, for travel nursing. I have a good buddy who's into headhunting for, for nurses, permanent and travel positions. We're setting that up as we talk. A lot of uh, comments about peds, a lot of pediatrics. Um, and the big one that I've gotten is, you know, obviously they want to talk about psych. I am putting together something for Mental Health Awareness Month, which is next month. I wanted to do a lot of different topics throughout the month and have all of our podcasts be related to mental health awareness, but I think I'm just going to focus my efforts onto one big discussion panel uh, related to PTSD, uh, specifically in troops returning home from overseas, returning home from any sort of engagement. Even though there has been a lot of light shed on that topic in the past few years, I still don't think it's enough. So I think I'm going to focus all of my efforts during Mental Health Awareness Month to PTSD, specifically troops coming back and suffering from PTSD. If you have any stories that you'd like to share about maybe your experiences with PTSD or somebody else's experience that you've been a part of, whether you know overcoming PTSD or, you know, how people have tried to overcome any sort of story that you think may help somebody, shoot us an email, pfracrn, pfracrn at gmail.com. I shortened it up for you guys. Let us know. Let's have a conversation. It's Nurse Nation.